Welcome to Matrescence Awakening with Kieran Lee. I'm your host, Kieran, and I'm so excited that you are here with me today in this space as we explore matrescence, spirituality, and everything that those two things encompass together. I'm bringing you really wonderful conversations with some incredible humans about their magic and how they present themselves in the world and support their clients. And today I'm really excited to be chatting with Jessica Perryman. Jessica works with women to find their inner wisdom through pregnancy, birth, and motherhood. She is an author, a teacher, a holistic therapist, and a space holder who utilizes the power of ritual for sacred women's circles and ceremonies. Her work has been inspired by her own healing journey, incorporating somatic therapies, radical self-compassion, and cultivating a loving relationship with the divine feminine archetype of the Great Mother. She is a mother of two small children herself and has found matrescence to be one of the most profoundly spiritual experiences in her life so far. So Jess, welcome. It's so great to have you here and I can't wait to dive into your world of ceremonies and women's circles. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited and grateful to be here. So let's start with a little bit about your spiritual journey. So where did your spiritual journey start? Um, yeah, great question. So I grew up with one of those mothers who was dyeing her hair pink and purple and always wore crystal jewelries. Um, she had a very eclectic way of exploring spirituality. So in my life as a child, I kind of grew up with this magical idea of what spirituality could be. And as an adult, um, I started to explore a bit more deeply, searching for my own way to connect to the divine because traditional religion, while I could really appreciate connection to spirit in that way, was a little bit restrictive for me and my personal um, preferences. So I tried things like yoga, meditation, um, uh, things like that that sort of were relatively accepted as normal um, spiritual practices that could begin my dive into that realm. But really what happened was I had crippling anxiety, um, which then started to lead into bouts of depression, which caused me to numb through alcohol and binge-watching TV and really poor life choices, which all essentially led me to a dark night of the soul. <laughs> and <laughs> as I'm sure many people can relate because it's a slow, steady decline <laughs> when you yeah. finally realise oh, crap, I can't actually stay here. I'm not going to thrive the way that I want to. Um, and so that led me to um, seeking help, basically. I began getting um, mental health support through a therapist who does somatic therapy uh, called Hakomi, which really took me inwards to myself. It took me home to myself in a way that I'd never, ever done before because for so long I had been running from my own experiences of life and my own physical sensations of pain that I actually had also been numbing my potential to experience joy and love as well. Mm. And through that going inward, um, Often I would go to therapy thinking, oh, my God, what am I going to uncover here, this, <laughs> you know, with a little bit of trepidation. But sometimes I would have the most blissful experiences of just feeling completely at ease and even pleasure in my body that I'd never sensed before in deep connection with the universe. And it was just profound. I've never 
gone back once I realized what was available to me. Yeah. So it's like once you open the tap of feeling, you feel it all so much more. Yeah. So instead of numbing through, you know, alcohol or TV or however else we numb, you know, cleaning, you know, going on like big cleaning sprees and <laughs> anything to yeah. not feel. Yeah. Once you open that tap, you, you really are ex- open to so much deeper experiences and richer experiences. And yes, with that comes so much more joy and pleasure, but also knowing how to, I suppose, handle the harder emotions needs to become part of that journey as well. Mm-hmm. And I drew, I like, I really felt um, the most, the most amazing realizations that I had were that everything is just a spectrum, you know, like grief, deep, the deepest well of grief that you could possibly imagine that you're so terrified of letting yourself feel is actually just the polar, like the binary opposite of the deepest well of love that you have Mm -hmm. capacity for. And every time you limit your self-experience one, you're actually limiting your ability to experience the other. So when we open up, we we experience all of life, which is essentially the, the point of being here, right? That's why we're in this human form is so we have the capacity to experience life in its fullest. And so when you talk about your childhood and your mother who had that very eclectic energy and and pink hair, I mean, it sounds awesome. (laughs) Were you a child that really saw that as like normal and something that you really wanted to aspire to? Or were you kind of like, oh, mom, like stop being so weird? Both. (laughs) (laughs) I think when I was really little, I loved it because like the idea of fairies and magic and, you know, all of that stuff was just so um, captivating to me. But when I became, you know, a nasty teenager, (laughs) it all became a lot less cool and much more embarrassing um, because she never dimmed her light should we say depending on the crowd she always just and still does just show up as herself um to her credit but that there was a lot of like cringe associated with that which then in my um sort of teens and early 20s led me even further away from my connection to myself Mm, because I was rebelling against that yes 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 I definitely can uh relate to those teenage years in pushing back against anything that was slightly weird and that's often where that um perception of spirituality being weird or woo-woo or like too out there comes from because we ground so deeply into don't want to be the weird kid don't want to be the weird kid don't want to be the weird kid (laughs) absolutely (laughs) we've got to come full circle like yeah like you say as a young kids so cool use that imagination push it away come back full circle when we hit you know a big life moment or something like motherhood or you know periods of depression or anxiety and those kind of things bringing us yeah, have to go to that deep place to bring us back to the connection with ourselves. Absolutely. <laughs> and so you've got two little ones yourself. Where has where does that kind of that story and that journey fit in with your transition into motherhood? Oh, it's so intertwined. Like I have definitely come leaps and bounds in my connection to myself through my capacity to be a mother. And Part of that was I, I didn't actually preface in the, the previous part that bout of anxiety and depression was 
eight to 12 months after the birth of my firstborn, my daughter, Eva, Mm -hmm. because I'd had such a struggle coming to terms with my new self. Um, I hadn't understood, pardon me, that there would be a grieving process, that there would be a death of the maiden and I needed to, you know, hold vigil for her and Sorry, I'm getting emotional thinking about it. But oh, you are so okay. I really, really didn't understand the rite of passage that I had been through yeah. and there was nobody to guide me through that. So that experience, while it was, you know, very, very challenging and difficult, I'm eternally grateful because it actually was what led me home to myself by having a daughter again and it was that beautiful reflection of my mother to me and then me to my daughter and how I was going to relate to her and what kind of relationship I wanted to cultivate and I knew that the behaviours that I was engaging in were just setting me up for another cycle of pain that I really didn't want to subject my young child to. So, um, yeah, it was very, very connected to that. Um, And so working through that, I knew that when I fell pregnant again with my son, I had an opportunity to go deeper again because my birth of my daughter, I had intervention. I tried not to. (laughs) I wanted to have a natural birth. I did hypnobirthing and um, did a, a lot of research. My husband was very, very supportive and did the, the courses with me. But my own fear, my own body-gripping fear actually stalled my labour and mm. caused a lot of complication that wouldn't have otherwise happened if I'd been more at home in my own body. Mm-hmm. So my preparation for my son was, yes, birth preparation as, you know, people think of it. You know, I did the yoga and I read the books and all that kind of stuff, but it was also deeply spiritual because I understood that I was growing a soul inside me who had the capacity to communicate with me even before he was born. I knew that he he had this energy. I tuned into his energy before he was um, birthed into this world and I could tell that he was just boisterous and joyful and mischievous and all of the things that just, you know, he absolutely is right now, whether or not I love it or hate it in the moment. (laughs) (laughs) But he's a force, you know, and I knew that before he was coming, um, before he came, sorry. And through my capacity to cultivate a connection with him in the womb um, meant that my second round, my second initiation into motherhood was able to be much more grounded, um, really calm. It was at home instead of in the hospital. I was very centred and very inward turned um, so that my focus and my energy was purely on us working together in tandem. And the the opening that happened in that moment was really like, I just can't, I can't explain it. It was huge. And yeah, <laughs> I know that there are other women out there who, who know what I mean. Um, but it's just one of the most profound experiences I've ever had. Just knowing, meeting my own strength 
finding my own point of no return and going, bring it on. And then catching him in my arms and bringing him to my chest myself was just, yeah, super, super empowering. Yeah, so you've really experienced those two sides of of the queen through that and really being able to take yourself from a very uh, hard and dark place and use the tools and, and teachings of spirituality to really cultivate a different experience and really take that on within that self-responsibility of no one else can do this for me. I have to be pushed to my own limits and I have to hold my own limits. Yeah. And that's not to say that that growth and healing journeys have to be done by yourself because that is definitely not what we are saying here. Having the support is incredible and, in my opinion, 100% necessary, but Mm -hmm. the support can't do the work and can't take you to those places and hold you at those places. I am so glad you said that because it is it is so interesting. I kept seeking outward assistance. I kept thinking, you know, I, I gave birth to my son um, in the middle of the COVID lockdowns here in Western Australia. My mother's in Queensland, so she couldn't get here. Um, my midwife um, got a new job at when I was 36 weeks. And then I got a new midwife again who I liked, but then what it was her night off. So I ended up with a totally random midwife on the night. And so all of the things that I had planned on being there to support me fell away they they just I was left the universe had decided that this thing I know I needed to do alone and meet with my own strength rather than anybody else's and as it turned out I had the absolute best midwife that could have been for me on the the night and everything was perfect um but if you had have sort of gone if I had have been someone who was relying really heavily on the external support I could have crumbled in that yeah. moment yeah 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 but you you know you had the support there but you also had you had no choice but to find that strength exactly and it's those moments when we're pushed to our absolute limit that we're going to be forced to find that strength if we've been trying to hide it from ourselves. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Which can feel like not a fun place to be, but very enlightening and very powerful. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) And so do you feel like you've had a different experience in motherhood since the birth of your son, given that 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 whole birth process was different, your whole connection to self was different, your, your, you know, those early days, were different. Do you feel like that's really carried on through your mothering, and you can notice a difference between the two of being the uh, um, having the one child and the two? Oh, definitely. Um, and I think part of it, you know, would have happened through experience. You know, the second child is typically easier than the first one, just because you kind of know what you're doing. Um, but I found for me, and a lot of what, like a lot of my realization occurred through therapy. Um, so I, I know that I had a lot of support to sort of move my mindset to a place where I found motherhood to be enjoyable rather than a chore, because I know that's really abrasive language, but that's genuinely how I was feeling because I didn't have the right perspective when I first had my daughter. It's that when I shifted my mindset from, you know, the children being the behaviours being a problem that needed to be fixed or the sleep routines being, you know, a challenge that needed to be overcome or um, the 
whatever it was, the crying needed to stop. When I stopped doing all of that stuff and started thinking instead, what is it that my child needs and how is this an opportunity to connect? How can I find a way to know them more deeply and build our relationship from this place of pain where what they're seeking is the comfort of their mother and if I can just offer them that in the moment without having any judgment or expectation on myself or them, we found a place of peace together that was so much easier to do than the forced must comply, must conform approach to mothering. Yeah. yeah. Like my child must follow this set routine. And, you know, if they're not, there's a problem with my child, not the routine. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, and and this spiritual work has really changed your approach because it's changed you as a woman. It's not mm. actually changed you as a parent. It's really like taking that really internal look and being like, well, what is serving me and what's not serving me and what works for me and what doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. That's what has that impact on our parenting. Absolutely. And that was part of my um, journey with self-compassion, which a lot of what my initial complications with my mental health came from was just a lack of self-love. And I think that's quite a pervasive issue, particularly for women in our society that is um, sometimes... um, you know, it's given a bit of lip service, but it's sugar-coated and we talk about self-love and self-care in this really fluffy way now mm. that it doesn't actually have much depth. But when it's really practised, it's transformational. And when I was actually able to hold myself with love and compassion for my own struggle in the moment, the, the, crying, that, the crying child that I'd been nursing for an hour no longer felt heavy in my arms. Mm. You know, I was actually able to hold myself in the same way that I was holding my baby. And that was something that allowed me to calm down, to find ease, to feel joy and love in the moment of like what looked like external crisis, but really just brought me to a place of connection. And that was such a big difference in the way that I the early parenting of my daughter to the early parenting of my son yeah so it's like there's internal peace amongst the external chaos of mothering exactly yeah yeah and I just want to take a moment to really thank you and honor you for being so open and honest on your journey with your mental health in this space because I know that there will definitely be women listening that it will just really resonate and appreciate the, the openness because it can feel like we are really alone in moments like that mm. and to know that you're not alone can be really powerful and to know that there is beauty on the other side of those dark moments um, and that there is help out there will mm. just be really, really supportive, I'm sure, for lots of women. So thank you for that. Well, thank you. So as you kind of progressed through your journey And you started to work in the space of women's circles, gatherings, rituals, ceremonies. So tell me about that transition and how that's looking for you. Um, It's actually you segued beautifully from what you were just saying about, you know, offering um, a a bit of closeness, I guess, or letting women know that they're not alone in their struggle um, through sharing openly. And that's essentially what 
the circles create. They create this space that, um, and which is what I wanted to do. I knew I knew that I had found something that was profound and deeply spiritual. Didn't really sound easy to explain, but was beautiful to experience. And if I gathered women together and led them through a practice that allowed them to experience that feeling of self-love and compassion, um, I could help them to find their own sense of self-love and then their sense of ease in motherhood and parenting. So essentially, when we join in a circle, um, it's a space of equality and that's that's the symbol the symbolic nature of the circle and that's why it's been used uh, for millennia in traditional um, any type of traditional ceremony is typically done in a circle because everybody is equal there's no leader there's no one who's more important we kind of we sit opposite each other in the same way so in that sense everyone who sits in the circle is the the healer and the healed Mm-hmm. So we have the opportunity to hold space for each other um, rather than just having me as the facilitator who, yes, I set the boundaries and, yes, I will um, lead through particular practices and rituals. But essentially what the, the power of the circle is that when we sit together in sisterhood, each and every one of us is accountable for the safety of each other. And that is something that defies the patriarchy (laughs) we have been conditioned for so long to sit in competition with one another yeah that it can feel really um, strange initially to come into a circle with other women Um, but it's a practice that has been so powerful for the healing of those in that circle so rather than um sorry yeah, rather than sitting in competition with each other, we sit together and hold space. Yeah. So I know I definitely had some interesting views on women's circles before I had ever experienced one. And before I'd really had my awakening journey, I remember um, a girlfriend of mine telling me that she was going to a circle and I took the absolute piss out of her, to be honest, because (laughs) I had these visions of women in a forest around a cauldron, like in, you know, flowy dresses and chanting to the moon. I mean, to me now that sounds incredible, but to me back then then, uh, that sounded like a whole lot of something I didn't want to be involved in. I could not see the power in in within women gathering so why mm. why is it so powerful when women gather in this way I mean I, I know you've spoken about the healing but how mm. does it create the healing what does it create for us so if people are like a bit on the fence like I don't know they've got yeah. that kind of weird view that I had like yeah. how how can yeah how do totally, they receive that healing yeah um so That is such a really good question and it really depends on the circle that you're attending. So each facilitator and each individual circle will likely have a different intention. So you might find um, a particular facilitator who offers uh, divine mother circles like I do, um, which really does cultivate self-love and self-compassion. But there are others who specialise in full moon ceremonies or cacao ceremonies. 
Um, and it entirely depends on their preference as to what you're going to experience. When you're there, it typically does incorporate a series of rituals um, and visualisation meditation type stuff. There can be journaling, there can be sharing, um, and sometimes crafts and things like that. But for me, the power of the circle lies in the fact that whatever we're doing, we're doing together. And so I will set an intention for the group, which is usually to release some kind of limiting belief or to reclaim a like a fragmented sense of self. So something that has been shamed into silence that we kind of want to welcome back home. And I do that by inviting in the archetypal energy of the Divine Mother because she is the one who traditionally offers this beautiful, healing, unconditional love. But in addition to that, she also brings safety, protection and nourishment. Mm-hmm. So for the first time, if we, if we really allow the energy of the Divine Mother to encompass us and to feel it resonating through our bodies, we're able to understand what it feels like to be held in safety first and then you can let the love in. So only once the body's nervous system has calmed to a point where it can begin to receive is then when the love has its healing um, capacity. So that's usually my intention is I will preface my circles um, with where we're headed towards. We'll usually do some sort of breath work, maybe a cacao ceremony, some journaling and some intention setting. But primarily the focus for my circles is to do a visualisation where I will guide the women inward to meet their own version of the Divine Mother and they will sit with her and unburden themselves in the place of softness and compassion and acceptance and love where they know that all of them no matter what it is that's coming up will be honored and held and nothing is too much so which is a very unique experience for a lot of women these days because we're usually trying to hold some sort of facade up yeah um So to allow yourself just to be and just to be seen by yourself, just to truly recognise your own beauty and vulnerability and softness is really something that has quite a transformational power if you lean into it. Yeah. Sounds absolutely beautiful. Mm, Yeah. The second part is the sharing, which um, is invitational, but if women are able to share in front of each other um, part of their experience, when they allow themselves to be witnessed by other women, that's where we do the space holding that really creates um, a sisterhood amongst those who are present, which validates your experience so when you are seen and heard not just by yourself but by an audience who are there just to just to listen not to judge not to offer anything else not to help but just to see you as you are that validates the women who are there as well yeah so powerful so so powerful and like you say just to just to be heard like we don't need somebody solving our problems all the time we just need to be heard and I think, you know, as I've become more aware of that in myself and the way that I respond to that, 
I actually have so much of a negative um, reaction in my body when I'm sharing something with someone and they're just constantly trying to fix or solve or tell me the answers because it's like I don't actually need your answers. I just need to voice it. <laughs> mm, and exactly. the more you surround yourself with people that understand that and can hold that space for you, the deeper you understand the healing that you can experience just by being seen and being validated in what you're feeling. You can become your own healer that way mm. because we've already got the answers inside of us. And if we're constantly seeking those external answers, they're never going to really be the right things for us. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like it's great to have that space held and to bounce things off, but really we have to become our own healers and doing things like this and connecting with the sisterhood can be so powerful for that. I know um, for the last women's circle that I went along to, I set my own personal intention in the space of allowing myself to be welcomed and accepted in its fullness. And that was within myself, not even within the space. But, you know, if I felt fear around something that the facilitator was asking me to explore, I'd just feel and acknowledge that fear. If I felt joy, if I felt pleasure, if I felt sensual, like whatever was coming through as we moved through that journey, I really allowed myself to just experience it without trying to wish it away or turn mm. it into a different emotion. And I went on a whole big roller coaster <laughs> of emotions, you know, like all of those things that you wouldn't expect to experience within a two hour window or however long it was. I experienced it all. And it was all through that really big, um, yeah, really deep level of, of really allowing it to flow through my body. And I was really able to ground into that and know that it's safe for me to be able to feel the fear of doing something or feel the fear of looking silly if I moved my body in a certain way. Like those things are okay to experience and I don't have to just completely numb it out mm. because, you know, we know that numbing out of emotions isn't really going to serve us in any sort of big way. <laughs> So how have you noticed in yourself since kind of getting into this work and, and for yourself and also facilitating it for other women, how has that kind of supported you in your mothering? Yeah, it's been really an interesting um, journey because I find that the more I open myself up to hearing the stories or, you know, the, the healings of other women, it's almost like there's there's always a little mirror there for me there's always a little lesson that is there for me too and it's like wow that is something that I hadn't considered but it always hits in a different way you know when when someone speaks their truth to you you recognize that there's like a different um, I read today that there's a frequency to truth you know truth has its own frequency and it really does it resonates um, and you take that learning home and it usually gives me an opportunity to reflect on something that maybe I hadn't considered in my own motherhood journey um, or even my own healing journey and in a, the, the other um, side of that is that there are women who have all of these experiences that I've never had and so I might have had a preconceived idea about what such and such is until a woman shares with me her truth or shares with the group her truth. And then I'm allowed to sort of see this deeply personal reflection of an experience that I never would have come across otherwise that opens up my potential to understand the human existence even more. Mm. 
So I, I feel deeply privileged to be able to do the work that I do um, because, yeah, the, the honesty and the vulnerability that comes out of it is just absolutely beautiful. And I think when you're exposed to so much honesty and vulnerability from other women in sharing their experiences, it just deepens your own personal capacity for compassion. And I think we need so much more of that in motherhood. You know, like when I think back to um, my experience as a first-time mum with my one daughter, I just so deeply wanted to fit within the specific boxes of you have to parent this certainly like you know if you're a conscious parent you're this way if you're you know whatever kind of parent you do this and fit within the rules of each of those unwritten boxes because I would be in like Facebook groups and things like that that if someone didn't follow a particular rule then they would get you know they would be made to feel like shit because they had done the wrong thing according to that parenting style Whereas when I've been able to open myself up to so many more experiences, brings in so much more compassion, I can be like, okay, there are so many different ways to parent and that's okay. And I've got to figure out my own way to parent as well as understand that people are going to parent in their own different way. Like if they're not following the rules that I've written for myself, doesn't mean that they're wrong and I'm right. doesn't mean, you know, that they're worse and I'm better. It just means that there are so many different experiences. So instead of projecting that, well, you're not following the rules, so you're doing it wrong, I can Mm. really step back and go, okay, it's not for me, but I fully um, respect and appreciate that you have your own journey um, and you're doing what feels right for you. So that compassion piece is huge, not only for ourselves, but for the collective. Like let's just Mm. look at collectively how we interact and, and respect each other as mothers who do things differently. Absolutely. And and that's the core of the work that I do. Really, that is it. I'm trying my best to give myself compassion, but also offer that to anybody else who is having a human experience. Because let's be honest, life is hard. Parenting is hard. And the more standards that are really just made up rules we hold yeah. ourselves to the more unhappy we'll be so let's just all give each other a break yes I remember when I was starting to feed our daughter for the first time my first daughter six months old we were doing baby led weaning and and I read a comment from someone um on a on a thread that was like when I first started I was so worried that the baby led weaning police were going to come and tell me off She's like, but then I realised that there is actually no baby led winning police and I can just do whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> that comment has really stayed with me. Like when I think about, oh, am I breaking the rules of this one box? I'm like, there are no police for this parenting box. Like I can just take no. what I want and leave the rest. <laughs> yes. So I would love if you could share with us how women can connect with you and come along to one of your circles if they're feeling called to do that. And also if you could tell us a little bit about your book that you have written as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, So firstly, the best place to catch my circles is on Instagram or Facebook. So I'm usually running events through Facebook and I'll link that through Instagram as well. I'm more active on Instagram, so you'll see more content, but um, events are definitely Facebook orientated. Um, I will link those in the show notes for everyone. Wonderful. Thank you. And yes, my, I, my book, I wrote a book called Release the Fear of Birth, The Mind-Body Integration Method after I gave birth to my son. And 
essentially it's based on all of the principles that I incorporated through my journey of releasing the fear, (laughs) funnily enough, um, (laughs) that had sort of stalled my labour the first time around with my daughter and working through that in a deeply compassionate way Mm -hmm. so that I was able to face the darkness without fear and step into my own strength as a birthing mother. So um, there's lots of science-based information. There's lots of practical tips. There's uh, visualizations, meditations, breathwork practices, yoga practices, all of the good stuff that I found to be super, super helpful, um, as well as a really simple four-step method you can follow to release fear at any point, actually, whether you're giving birth or just having a difficult time in life. So if you want to find that, it's on Amazon. (laughs) Sounds incredible. And I will link that one also for everybody. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your honesty and your vulnerability in this chat. I know it will definitely serve a lot of women to hear you speak in the way that you do. So I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story with the podcast. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's been great. 